It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. Yes, I am your host, Jonathan Sanborn. It's a, a bright and sunny day in in Phoenix, and I, you know, I, I'm feeling a little empty right now because I'm alone in my studio because I actually have a call-in guest today. I have calling from bright, bright and sunny Los Angeles, Mr. Peter Watts. Peter, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here too. So, as you know, listeners, uh, we have uh, counterculture. Really, is trying to find the compassion builders, the peacemakers, and the bridge builders. Really, the in our in our society, it, to be the fall of Jesus is to be counterculture. And part of that really is really to be. I wanted to highlight. This is a, the first. We're going to highlight what I call the church in low places. And so Peter's going to be our our first uh, episode of the church in low places, sort of a, a little mini series. Uh, and we'll, we'll go to from time to time highlighting uh, pastors and leaders from around the nation in where God has placed them and their ministry in maybe places that are oftentimes we don't hear from. Uh, and so they've they've been in faithful and they're ministering the love of Christ in these areas. And so uh, Peter is uh, born and raised in South Los Angeles. He received his master's of education and administration from the University of Phoenix. And just recently graduated from full seminary. And are you working on a PhD too? Yes, I'm working on a DMAN degree at Fuller Seminary. It's a combination program with a Fuller North Park in uh, Chicago. Oh my god! Uh, and so it's it's a five year program. Oh. I'm in year four and uh, in my final year to start writing oh. my dissertation. What a journey! Five years of education. I mean, huh, one year like, almost killed me in my master's program or whatever. So, <laughs> so you you that's fantastic. So uh, Peter has twenty five years in education and was the founding principal of the Thoroughgood Marshall Middle School, a blended learning and project based focus school. And he currently pastors the Rock Church, and that's where we're, we're really going to get into the Rock Church. And is the founder and executive director of the Watts of Power Foundation. Um, he's been married to his wife, Dee Dee Watts, for more than 26 years and has three children, Jasmine, Avery, and Imani. Well, again, Peter, thank you so much for being on this show. I'm excited yeah, to get this conversation. So, No problem. Uh, fantastic. So as you know, before we get into, get into things, we play our game called Fake News. And so in Fake News, you say something true and something not true about yourself. And I try to guess which one. And I have a pretty lousy track record. So yeah. I, I really want to get my mojo back and get at least into the high 50%. So, so say something true and not true about yourself. All right. Let's see. Uh, just one truth and one lie? Yep. Okay. So um, I am uh, the only boy uh, in my uh, family that my, that my mother has. And I have... Um, uh, three twin sisters. Oh my goodness! And then, okay, yeah, 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 incredible. And then, um, I, uh, tr- I, uh, my first uh, trip uh, out of the country was uh, in um, Hungary, where I uh, did 
uh, missions work uh, with Calvary Chapel. Now that's interesting. So that would have been, I'm trying to guess the time periods when you would have done that, but I'm mm-hmm. just going to say that you, it was not hungry. And so that, I, I would say your trip is fake news. Man, you have a terrible track record. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that is actually true. It's true. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When when I was uh, a young adult, my um, my family uh, we started uh, we planted uh, a Calvary Chapel, uh, and my uncle, uh, who was the pastor, uh-huh. uh, we would go to Hungary uh, every year. And so one year I went wow. to Hungary uh, with him. Uh, on a missions trip. That's really cool. What a cool, cool experience. Those were kind of in the Eastern European opening up days. Yep. Uh, I remember that I was over in the Eastern Bloc. I was in Russia, and I actually met some Calvary Chapel people in Moscow. So that is really interesting. You when probably pl- met my uncle because he he would do Russia and Hungary. Oh, that's Those fantastic! Wow, that's cool. <laughs> so the next important question: Lakers or Dodgers? Uh, Lakers, because I do not like baseball. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> so I think we're about the same age. So we probably were in the, I grew up in Los Angeles, Magic Johnson, those, the you know, the, the Hollywood era. Yeah. I mean. Showtime. Showtime. Love that. Went to the three-peat parade one time downtown LA. Yeah. Oh, those are great. Some of my favorite basketball memories of all time. We can be in crowd. <laughs> <laughs> we might. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, what about your background? So, you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. As, what about your background made you want to become a pastor? Oh, that's an interesting question because I didn't want to become a pastor. I didn't have it on my radar yeah. uh, growing up. Uh, although my uh, family, uh, who is from uh, Memphis, Tennessee, they came out here. Uh, in the migration of, uh, of, uh, of escaping the Jim Crow South and mm-hmm. came out west uh, for opportunity and expansion and uh, ended up in a city called Watts. And uh, when they came to Watts, uh, uh, there was a, a family member and my grandfather um, who decided to start a church. And mm. they started a church in um, right there next to Nickerson Gardens in uh, in the city of Watts. Wow. Um, called called uh, Slater Street, and it was on a street called Slater Street. And so they started this small, a little Baptist church, family church, um, and that was the church where I uh, grew up in and got saved. And um, and then uh, eventually uh, we left that church and went with my uh, aunt, who met one of the ministers there who became a pastor, and that's when we planted or started uh, Calvary Chapel of Linwood and then Calvary Chapel of Compton. Okay. Um, and then I left. Um, after the Watts, no, not the Watts riots, but the uh, L.A. riot uh, after the Rodney King uh, uh, incident. What was that? Um, that was the they, mid-90s, right? Yeah, that was okay. mid-90s, like 92, okay. uh, I believe. Yep. And um, uh, and when those riots happened, uh, people kept breaking into the church. So my uncle came uh, one Sunday and said, you know what, guys? Uh, the Lord has called me to Oceanside. <laughs> 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 so he left, went to Oceanside, and uh, I stopped going to church. Uh, I was a freshman in college at that time, yeah, or maybe a sophomore in college at that time. Um, stopped going to church, and uh, I was at Cal State Dominguez Hills, which is a local state college here yeah. uh, in uh, L.A., and uh, that's where I met my wife. And um, when we first met, she said, hey, uh, if we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend, you have to go to church. I wanted a girlfriend, so I yeah. went to church. 
So that's how I... Uh, <laughs> missionary dating. I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, so Set him straight. I ended, up, I ended up back in church um, and started uh, volunteering in youth ministry. Uh, and one day just re- uh, received a call in the ministry, heard the Lord speak, saying that uh, I should be um, uh, preaching uh, mm. and accepted that call and uh, went up to my pastor at that time and told him, um, you know, I, I feel called uh, to ministry. And like uh, any good black Baptist, uh, he said, great. Yeah, um, that, right. Sunday, <laughs> that Sunday, yeah. he uh, called me out in the middle of service and said, hey, Brother Watts said he's called to preach. Well, we'll find out next week at 3.30. Oh, my goodness. First sermon. Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, <laughs> even though they didn't have that SpongeBob meme where you were like frantic, but right. uh, I was there frantic. <laughs> and uh and so i preached my first sermon 3 30 service um and then uh right after i finished preaching the whole church was there and even churches from around the city oh my there. goodness and um and after i finished preaching he stood up and said well church what do you think and people said we believe he's called and he said well we'll uh we'll uh have him under care at the church as a licensed minister. And so for probably about three, four years, I was an associate minister at that church. And that's why I cut my teeth in ministry. And wow. probably about 2006, uh-huh. I um, was sitting there in church. It was a revival. And uh, the preacher was talking about spiritual oddballs. And the Lord spoke to me and said, well, what do you do when you're an oddball amongst oddballs? And the reason why I said that was because we really had, my wife and I had a desire to start, uh, or felt the, the, the desire to do something that was more multi-ethnic yes. um, and, multi, and multi-generational. And so uh, I ended up leaving uh, that church in 2006, and my wife and I uh, started a couple's ministry in our home. And, uh, and uh, two years later, we planted a church, and I became a pastor. Uh, but it, it wasn't on my radar. <laughs> no, <laughs> but God has a way of uh, shaking up our radar, doesn't He? Yes, He does. Yes, He does. And so, that's yeah, the church that's the that's the church that's the rock now. Yes, yes, that's the church that's the rock. It's the the rock church. We planted it in two thousand and eight. Uh, we were first uh, called Revolution Church of okay. Carson. Uh, but then we changed the name, and that's a whole other story. Yeah, um, of when we became the Rock, the in Rock. 2010. And mm-hmm. is uh, tell me about the is that what part of town is that in? What's the what's what's it like around the church? Yeah, our church is located in a neighborhood called Pico Union. It's right on the border of Pico Union and West Adams. It's right next to USC, okay. uh, and probably about a mile away from the Staples Center, uh, or maybe less than a mile from the Staples Center. So I'm right in an area uh, that uh, right, our neighborhood would be uh, considered um, Little El Salvador. Little El Salvador, um, so okay. Of, uh-huh, there are a lot of uh, Salvadorian uh, immigrants uh, that are in this neighborhood, but then there are a lot of um, uh, African-Americans uh, in this neighborhood who were here from you know the early uh, 60s, 70s, and okay. 80s, uh, who you know, owned property here, and then... Uh, because of USC, you have a lot of international students and a lot of um, student housing uh, here in the neighborhood. So it's a really uh, crazy mix of um, of immigrants, of um, uh, indigenous, uh, um, you know, resident African yeah. American uh, residents, and then you have um, you know college students, right, uh, right, of all of all types. And does does your church reflect that? That or is you mostly have a African American, or how do you? Yeah, so our church is uh, predominantly probably about. Seventy percent African American, um, about uh, and probably about 
uh, 29% Latinos, Spanish-speaking, and then we uh, have a a few uh, that are biracial and Anglo. Okay. What is your community, how do they perceive the Rock Church? Like, I mean, what are the people around, like, is this... Yeah. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. We always uh, ask the question, and you might have heard it before, where uh, you would ask, you know, if our church uh, didn't exist here anymore, would the neighborhood uh, really miss us? Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I believe at this point, um, the neighborhood would miss uh, our presence here in this neighborhood. Um, and I say that because out of the pandemic, we really uh, were able to see how impactful we've been uh, in our community and in our neighborhood. See, I live. Uh, directly across the street from the church. So I don't commute uh, to church. <laughs> no. and so I live what? in my neighborhood, um, and uh, and the people in my neighborhood know that I'm a pastor. And yeah. so uh, I remember when uh, when all the riots and things were happening over the summer, um, and we have a lot of homeless, uh, of homeless uh, unhoused uh, people uh, in our neighborhood as well. And so there were these uh, these uh, tents and things that were up uh, on the main street that caught fire, and it was close to one of the buildings that we're connected with. And neighbors ran to my house and say, hey, your building is on fire, you know. And wow. So, uh, you know, we went down, and, and so they know, you know, who I am. They know, you know, where I live, and they know that we right. pastor that church on, on the corner. Um, and the reason why I say, uh, 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 People would miss uh, our presence in the neighborhood is because uh, out of the pandemic, we have been able to really be a really good resource uh, to to people uh, because of food shortages. And mm. so we partnered with organizations like the Children's Hunger Fund and uh, local uh, churches in our neighborhood who have been doing a lot of uh, food distribution. And so we became a food distribution center um, uh, for our community. And so every other Saturday, uh, we uh, set up shop, and people from our community come to the church and that's get free uh, produce and groceries and things like that. Um, and that's what we're now known for. Uh, in really? Okay. Outside of the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine the, how the neighbors would perceive you when you're so generous and you're serving the, the community so directly like that. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. I remember when we first started, though, uh, we would set up and we would be in the street with signs saying, "Hey, we have food. Hey, come!" You know, and and we and our church is on a on a major street, and so uh, you know we had to you know, really get out there. And, yeah. You know, like like those uh, guys and, and gals who stand and turn the signs and flip and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> that, right. that was us in the very beginning. Okay. And uh, once people saw the rhythm of us being at the church like that every other weekend, um, as soon as we set up our red tent. We started having lines, and we didn't have to put signs out anymore. And so now people know what days and what time we are mm. there and how, when we're serving. Wow, that's fantastic. So you're really a presence. And if you're just tuning in uh, t- to our listeners, if you're just tuning in, we have Peter Watts calling in from South Los Angeles, and uh, he's the uh, pa- uh, lead pastor at the Rock Church. And uh, we're having a great conversation. What does ministry look like right in the in his neighborhood? Um so how do you what's I didn't I don't think I told you about this but what do you see as like your biggest challenge in ministering to your community? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is uh, uh, compassion fatigue. I think the another challenge is uh, trauma. Yeah, uh, that uh, that is experienced in our neighborhood, but that also that our our own church members uh, have experienced, and so. Uh, we don't want to, you know, we have a lot of uh, people who have secondary trauma um, because they are educators. We have a lot of educators in our church. Um, mm-hmm. We have 
uh, principals. We have uh, people who are frontline workers. And so, uh, so when trauma hit our community, um, there's this, you know, uh, secondary trauma that we deal with as well. And so, uh, people get tired, people get burned out. And because we aren't a large church right. at all, we're about, uh, about, uh, you know, 60 adults and kids yeah. uh, on a good day. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and so it, so we can't, uh, do what, you, you know, we see other larger churches doing. We can't have the, the, the kinds of ministries that other larger churches have. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a really a, a mistake. Uh, I think that a lot of, um, smaller churches make is that they try to mimic what they see larger churches right. do. So they say, oh, they have a children's ministry, we should have one. They have a men's ministry, we should have one. Right. And you don't have the capacity to do You can do what you can do, yeah. do what you can do, and do it well. So if yes. it's this one thing that God has uh, called you to in your neighborhood, do that one thing well. And so, so yeah, so uh, being a smaller church, um, being a church that's in a community that experiences trauma, yes. plus having members who have secondary uh, trauma, right. uh, it can become very tiring um, and challenging uh, sure. in that way. So I, I think um, one thing when I thought of this conversation is that to be counterculture, one thing about the Christian culture is that we often emphasize success in bigger is better. Like I've got a bigger church, therefore I'm more successful, or I have a big building. But I don't think – that actually is the way that Christ works because <laughs> we, right. we see God do big things. Oftentimes he reduces the sizes of armies. He reduces the sizes of people and followers in order to show his power. And so how have you really seen God show his power through your 60-something church? Yeah. Um, you know, bigger. Uh, our tagline is, uh, there may be some bigger, but they ain't none better. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, so we don't count success by numbers. Uh, we 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 used to fall into that trap where you know every week I would have you know my uh, volunteer uh, church administrator uh, stand in the back of the church, and when it was offering time, I wanted right. to count how many people are here, and then we keep a ch- we keep a tab of that in the spreadsheet right. to see right. if we're growing, you know, um, and then. Uh, when uh, the pandemic happened um, and everything shut down, we went from counting butts and seats to counting views online. Yeah, uh, right, so, right. Yep. You know, people get so wrapped up in numbers that you yep. never uh, 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 um, become acquainted with uh, the people, the real lives uh, that are behind those numbers. And so the Lord one day said, stop counting numbers and start counting your blessings. Mm. Uh, and so, and so for, for us, um, uh, the way that we look at uh, success, we don't look at success by the size. We look at success by faithfulness, and we look at success uh, at how the, 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 even the young people in our church who come through our ministry, who go off to you know uh, post uh, uh, education, right. and college, and careers, uh, do they come back to serve in their community? Yeah. So, uh, that's how we measure measure success, and we measure success by not by uh, not how many people can get out, but by how many people uh, have been changed and transformed to either mm. stay or come back in. Uh, and so, and so that's that's the way we look at it. That's how you know we don't uh, uh, you know. As a matter of fact, right now when we talk about size, we call ourselves we've embraced uh, the term micro church. Micro, uh, okay, so, yeah, yes. interesting. So we are we are a micro church, and we want to. 
uh, uh, lead a micro church movement here in LA to where uh, we know that there are a lot of men and women uh, who uh, are called into ministry, who are called to pastor, who are called to even plant churches. Right. Um, and those churches are going to be small because that's the capacity that they have uh, uh, you know, in terms of their leadership mm. um, is to lead small, uh, effective, uh, faithful churches. That's that is so important, and that really is a. I mean, I think that is kingdom celebration. That's kingdom mindset. Uh, the mega church focus. There's, and I'm I'm definitely not anti mega church. I've had leaders from mega churches mm-hmm. on my show. I'm not anti mega church, but I also need to. We need to give voice and agency to micro churches. And not, what ninety percent of churches in America are less than a hundred people. I think, right. and we often don't hear from ninety percent of what God is doing. And I, and I, right. so I, it's so important for you. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so important to hear from you and how God is using your church in the lives of transformation. So what? So what? I just want to lay into like maybe one example of like that you've seen of transformation. Just sort of it comes, it becomes really you bring it home. Yeah. So we're part of a ministry uh, called Care Portal. Care Portal is this online uh, platform that connects. Uh, DCFS or Child Family Services to the local church. Yes. And so uh, we've been able to uh, work with uh, Care Portal uh, in meeting needs in our city. And uh, in particular, over the uh, pandemic a few months ago, uh, we got a request uh, that uh, into our system about a young lady, a young adult who went, who goes to uh, a school, uh, goes to college uh, right here in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she had just uh, gotten pregnant and um, she's on the verge of having to move out of the dorms and life yeah. is just turned wow. upside down right now. Yes. Uh, and we got this request and, um, and, and the Lord led us to meet this request. And so we uh, reached out to the young lady and uh, it was during a time where we were having our food distribution program and so right. we invited her to the food distribution so she came and got food um, and then she met my wife and she met some other ladies uh, at our church mm. and they began to pray for her Wow! Um, and she started crying and we have a thrift store and so we let her go into our thrift store and get clothes for herself and clothes for uh, her uh, 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 her baby that was to be born and, wow. uh, and so we developed this, this really uh, deep relationship uh, with her and wow. now uh, one person in my church uh, who's a real estate agent um, uh, has taken her on as her mentee. And so now she's mentoring her and teaching her about finance and teaching her about real estate mm. because she wants to be, she wants to get into real estate. She's, she's um, uh, getting her degree in accounting. And so, um, so th- those are the kinds of things uh, uh, as an example that has happened, uh, not just uh, to, you know, for her benefit, but it's also been for the transformation uh, of the people uh, within our church who were on the sidelines and now are engaging in God's restoration project uh, in the world. And so now our next uh, uh, thing with uh, with this young lady is that we're going to do a, uh, a baby shower for her. Oh, a baby. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, and so our church is going to come together and uh, and do a little small baby shower uh, on her behalf and invite her and, um, uh, and just to love on her in that way and to continue um, walking with her through this process. Pete, that is an amazing example because that's not that's really the church reaching out to someone in crisis and then tr- embracing them as family. You really absolutely that, you don't. Absolutely. We often don't think about throwing baby showers for strangers or look around, but this is like someone who was in need. You started from there, and but that was just the entry point to really 
loving and serving this young lady and loving her with the love of Christ. And I am really encouraged to hear that. So as we wrap up, we're, um, what do you, what could our listeners like learn? What would you want them to like, maybe you want them to learn about the Watts of Power Foundation. What could help them to go further to learn more about your ministry or, or going further? Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for that question. I um, So our next biggest project uh, that we're engaging in um, with our microchurch uh, mm-hmm. movement is that we're doing something called a microchurch micro school. And so in the fall, uh, we're going to be launching our first micro school, which is going to be a private Christian prep school. Um, and we're starting with ninth grade and eventually be ninth through 12th grade, wow. uh, 20 kids total. And we're partnering with um, and, uh, a school in New York called Stony Brook, uh, okay. Stony Brook Christian Boarding School, um, and they're providing the online live educators, uh, and we're providing the space and for uh, young people to gather in person. And so it's be it'll be online and in person uh, right there at our church. And so uh, and this is for the purpose of again raising up our next generation leaders uh, for uh, for our cities uh, and for our communities and for our churches. Um, what a great. So, Fantastic example, and they can find out about that on the Watts of Power if they search Watts of Power Foundation. Yes, they can find out it uh, on our website at the Rock Church at igotothorock.org, or they can find out about it through our foundation, which is the Watts of Power Foundation.org. Pete, this has been a great conversation, great launch to the church in low places, and that's not the God's in God's economy. This is big, big, big stuff. Thank you for sharing your story and taking spending your time out of your busy life and to be on the show. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Thank you for having me again. And God bless. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.